Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe. And this is Season 2, Episode 11, a very special episode of Beer and Broadband. Uh, it should air on, well, we're recording it on 6-1. I, don't, I yeah. think it'll come out like on the 3rd is when, is when it comes out. Um, so let's, let's get right into it. Uh, the reason we're doing this is because I finally got my delivery of beer from a friend of mine in California. Uh, I actually work with the guy... Um, you know him too, Ricky. Yep, yep. Um, his, his name's Dave. He uh, does um, Alski Brewing. Uh, he and his brother do. And so uh, while I was out there, he gave me some of his beer. I thought it was really good. I asked him if we could talk about it on the podcast. And then Wi-Fi 6 happened and dark mode. And I got some Surface headphones that I wanted to talk about. And the breakup of Facebook, maybe, and so like, oh, really? yeah, so so like with all that stuff, and I went to, I got my Cleophis Queely beers that I've been mm-hmm. saving for this podcast. So, um, I'd really like to hear what you think about this Heritage Hefeweizen. Um, this is actually pretty good. I mean, I don't remember if we've tried any Hefeweizens before. We have. I. I don't remember what I thought about them. In my mind, when I heard it, it's like, okay, this isn't generally my style of beer, but I'm I'm excited to try it. But this is this is really good. It's got a really nice aroma. It's like a little bit of floral, a lot of citrus, and it's got a similar taste. You know, I kind of really appreciate a beer with a as a simpler palate, mm-hmm. like good citrus, a little bit of bitter. This is really nice, like because it, it it's. I thought I was going to have to walk in. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll pull punches. It's somebody I know. It's homebrew stuff. It's not from, like, a big-name place. This is better than a lot of beers that we try. That is correct. And that, that is one of the reasons I asked him if we could, um, like, talk about this. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's such a unique kind of thing. Um Mm-hmm. To have someone that you know that gives you a beer and you're like, I'm I really like this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously this is not like a professionally made like bottle, so I don't have things to read off of it. Yeah, I was going to ask if we had any stats on it if we knew. But on their website, oh, he, he, so he has a website. Look at that, alskibrewing.com. It's O W S K I Brewing.com. I will put that in mm-hmm. the show notes and. It says, using apricots from the Sunnyvale Orchards, we created a few variations of this Hefeweizen. All had apricots added during the boil, and then some were dry hopped with different amounts of apricots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this Hefeweizen, Hefeweizen, I, I don't know, my, my, <laughs> my uh, pronunciation's horrible, but it's finished with a 5.8% ABV and an IBU of 24 pretty good yeah it's very it's very smooth um so i, I took some notes the first time that i drank mm-hmm. it and i'm just i'm curious like to see what you think but um it's got very sweet this was before i ever read anything yeah. on the website it's got very sweet apricot flavors i, I that, that was what i got off of it it seems like it's very well made which we both have, have said it's got a mm-hmm. light and fruity smell yeah uh, it's very mellow and sippable, which I think it really it is. is. Yeah. Um, the hops and malts are second to the fruit flavor, which I expected to be a little bit more forward because I know how he likes his beer. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or I, I kind of think I know. It kind of reminds me of that fruit beer that we had, just not as much fruit that we had. Yeah, uh, it, it's got beer. more citrus, and I'll admit I don't drink a lot of apricot stuff. There's not much sugar left in this. There, there is a bit of a fruit flavor. I, I probably wouldn't have placed it as apricot without knowing, um, but it's a very citrus flavor to it. I almost, I, I guess it is the April. I, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of hops you can get that give flavors like this. So is it all the apricot? It's a mix of apricot and the hops. Um, it, it is pretty much apricots from what I can tell from his description and me talking okay. to, to him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm pretty um, pretty happy with, with this beer. It is of lighter beers you know mm-hmm. I, I prefer darker beers yeah this is one of my favorite lighter beers yeah it's it's really good i mean i'm kind of picky about lighter beers j- just because they have a chance to really get kind of more bitter than i yeah. like um this one isn't so bitter it really isn't yeah. it's it's almost like hurting me for explanation for it because it is really good i mean i guess kind of to, like he's got a website do they sell it no no, okay. he just see that. I th- I think maybe eventually they're going to like yeah. Get into I, mean, I know it's a whole thing getting the license and distribution and all that stuff together. Because um, I looked about doing it down here in North Carolina, and I assume California is stricter than North Carolina is. Um, maybe that's not the case, but you should consider it. This is really good. So. I think what we're going to do today is instead of talking about all the beers all mm-hmm. at once, you know, we'll kind of let this like rest on our tongues a bit. And then uh, I want to talk about some of the technology stuff that okay. we want to talk about. I will pour the beer while we're talking about it. I was about to it, ask. And then, and then we'll come back to, you know, like having a, a couple of sips. Yeah. So the next thing I'm going to do, the next beer that we're going to have is the Alski Brewing uh, Peanut Butter Porter. I believe mm-hmm. that's what he said it was. He sent this one to me just as a bonus. Uh, it's not on their website. Mm-hmm. It was just like one that they made that didn't turn out as well as they wanted it to. Okay. So this is not, we're not so much reviewing this as just, this is our first time drinking it. It'll be our okay. first impressions. Um, but he knows I like uh, I like darker beers, so we sent mm-hmm. this along. Um, so while I'm kind of getting that, and I don't remember if this is a peanut butter porter or if it was a peanut butter, um, it was it was supposed to be like a lager, darker, yeah. darker beer kind of thing. And I, I remember he had said something to me about it, and I just kind of um, like brushed it off. But then he said he'd get it to me. So thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it, man. It's, yeah, it's that's, awesome. That's really good. You should be very proud of yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about Wi-Fi six. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I, I got some Wi-Fi six uh, APs mm-hmm. um, to me. You know for reasons I, I don't really yeah. want to go through all that but I, I got some and so um, one of the things that I noticed have you well let's back up a little bit yeah but I'd say have you, you heard about what Wi-Fi 6 is I have not so it's 802.11 ax I believe okay it is the next standard in Wi-Fi and what it is supposed to be is uh, quad band uh, radios. It's supposed to give us like pretty close to gigabit speed mm-hmm. on, over Wi-Fi, at least doubling what 802.11 AC gets. Okay. So you know, AC you could get somewhere between um, 50 and 75 megabits a stream, and then you could go up to you know maybe 
getting somewhere around six mm. or seven hundred or maybe a, a gigabit's worth of total bandwidth. This is multi-gigabit total bandwidth and, uh, you know, somewhere for AC clients maxing out the AC, what it can do, mm. to um, with Wi-Fi 6 devices that have the, the new 802.11 standard, it's supposed to, like, really increase that throughput for them. Yeah. Somewhere around, like, 450, 600 devices. And right now, the only device that, that can do that is the Samsung Galaxy... Um, S10. Mm-hmm. Is it the S10? Did I say that right? Yeah, it's the S10. Um, so the newest Galaxy S model. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, um, the, the the thing that I was wanting to talk about, do you know about it? Like, what do you think about it? Um, and then I'll kind of tell you my experiences with it. Uh, so far, I've, I've had them for like two days. So okay. it's not like I've had them for long. I mean, it's always cool to see it moving on. I mean, I'll, I'll admit... I'm not as big of a Wi-Fi junkie. I kind of don't like Wi-Fi for most things. Um, the things I put on Wi-Fi are generally things that I don't need to have high bandwidth. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see the user. There's a lot of people that just don't want cables in their house, period. You know, you want Wi-Fi almost everything. You know, my wife is one of those people. She would not ever connect something hardwired if I didn't make her. Um, so it is good to see those tweets going up. I'm, I'm wondering if at any point... Or, you know, it could be part of this, I'm just not aware of it. A lot of tackling with, like, reliability happens. Like, when are we going to try and find maybe a slower solution, but that has much better penetration through walls, is more reliable? I think the average person doesn't want to put a whole bunch of APs in their house if they can, uh, you know. So this is a little bit more business-focused, I think, Mm -hmm. right now. Wi-Fi 6 is rolling out to businesses, less to consumers. Yeah, I'd imagine that. Because Intel's rolling it out in its chipsets on its business-grade. Gotcha. Then, yeah, it's a business technology. I can definitely see it. Because, I mean, if you're going to run Wi-Fi at your business, you're going to have an AP every, like, 300 feet or something like that anyway. They just cover your ceilings with them. So, makes it, sense. It, it is rolling out to consumers, too. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it's not, but right now, the the people that have it are more business Yeah, focused. the target audience right now is probably not consumers yet. It, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the beginning of these mm-hmm. things. Um, so, one of the things that I really dig about it is, it like just on my general devices that I have here, mm-hmm. it has um, doubled the speed that I was getting, so it's pretty much maxed out what mm-hmm. my... Um, AC devices can do. Um, I I don't have it for my primary Wi-Fi because um, I've got those on a different set of access points. Mm-hmm. So I've got like I've got a ton of access points because I do so much testing with these things. And yeah, you know, I designed a whole system that had to do with uh, like a wireless remote access kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so because of that, like. I've had to do a lot of testing with a lot of devices. Yeah. I pulled out like a couple of laptops, pulled out a Mac, pulled out a PC. They all performed about the same. So I was getting somewhere around 120 megabits of throughput on my device uh, to external sources that can handle that. Uh, Now, internally, you know, like I'm getting higher speeds, Mm -hmm. but I'm still like pushing around files pretty fast. I went from... Uh, say 30 seconds for a 200 megabit file to around 20 mm-hmm. so it gave me like a little bit of a bump in, in speed moving around my network just over wireless yeah. on a gigabit network 
these aren't like official things, but my experience is that in the couple of days that I had it, I saw an, an immediately a yeah. noticeable difference. Now, my devices uh, aren't meshed. They're using um, OMFD orthogonal frequency multiplexing. So uh, I, I don't remember the, um, the acronym for it right mm -hmm. now. I, I think I got it right to begin with. Um, so, you know, wire, I'm routing and switching primarily. I've, I've done some wireless stuff, mm. uh, but sometimes, um, or it's not multiplex, it's multi, yeah, it's multiplexing. Anyways, the, the idea of something, uh, when it gets congested, it, it instantly moves it off to a mm. new channel. Um, so they, you know, they're, the, the APs, they automatically know whether or not they need to mash or not. And because of the way that they're set up in my house, they don't mesh they um they get their full and, and therefore they get their full bandwidth which yeah. is really nice um but they also kind of have like these overlapping channels uh which is good too and i can roam between the aps it works really well but i have like my personal networks aps and then i have my like business and mm -hmm. and professional aps i felt like I, as soon as i dropped these things in they made a, a really great uh addition to to the network and they kind of look like a nun's habit uh, or mm -hmm. like a propeller for like a small airplane or something. So that's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, so like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm digging them like right now. Okay. I really like them. I think um, we should get you some. You should play with them. Yeah. You should. I, so I, it doesn't replace wires. You know, I'm like yeah. anything I want reliably, like all my servers and stuff are wired, but you can't get away from things like. Oh, I'm going to move this laptop around, or yeah. my wife needs to do this. Um, I haven't had any problems with 802.11 AC or in in my house because I generally like have a very good wireless mm -hmm. environment, and I really try to um, protect against interference. But every now and then, my wife she will have issues. Mm -hmm. um, I am curious if this will solve those problems for, and mostly it's because of where she uses it. Like she'll go stand next to the microwave yeah. or something like that. I don't know that she'll ever come in, but these things are supposed to be more powerful in the five gigahertz um, spectrum, and they're, the two point four is supposed to kind of set itself up to be a little bit better. So we'll see. So what'd you think about the uh, peanut butter porter? It wasn't bad. It definitely wasn't as good as the last one, which I mean we we understand. This is something he didn't you know put up for advertisement. The batch yeah. he wasn't happy with. It's still very smooth. It's clearly made very well. There's no off flavors, nothing like that that I can taste. It just doesn't have a very pronounced peanut flavor to it. It does have a little bit of kind of like that darker, maybe like a coffee or chocolate sort of thing to it. There's like a caramely thing in there. There's a little bit of sweetness to it. Um, but the peanut's not as pronounced as you would kind of expect it to be, I think. See, I've had other peanut butter porters that I've kind mm -hmm. of complained about. They didn't have this flavor or that mm -hmm. flavor. This kind of reminds me of a Nutter Butter. You know, the, the Nutter Butter bars, like mm -hmm. the candy bar things. Um, it, it's like uh, the flavor that you get as the aftertaste after you've eaten one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. There is there is still like a little bit of that like peanut oily taste to it. Yeah. Some of that like darker sweetness at the back. So I, I get that. It, it's, it's not like it'll have any flavor. Um, but it's not as pronounced as his other one. Which I actually, it, it makes me kind of want to talk to him. I might try and hit him up sometime next week or two. Because one of the things I was thinking about making was a peanut butter meat. 
Mm-hmm. Like, especially if you let it stay a little bit sweet, the idea of you've got this thing that's maybe almost tastes like a honey roasted peanut. Yeah, that could be really good. But it's hard to find good information about it. I've got some reference materials that kind of go through how you should do it, but I don't. It's hard to find recipes online that people actually like. So I kind of like to pick his brain and see how did he go about it. Oh, yeah, he would love to talk about that. He talked to me about it for pretty extensively. I, I was asking him questions. I'm going to pour a little bit more of this one than we got last time. Yeah, go so for this, it. the next one that we're going to talk so. about, and this will actually be kind of a review, mm-hmm. is the Cleophus Queely Beer Company, which um, is uh, one that I uh, went to in San Leandro, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually went to their, their brewery. Um, and uh, I, I ordered these bottles to specifically have shipped back so that I could, or, you know, I brought them back. Let's, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. I have my ways. Um, but I, I, I had them specifically, you know, got back here, yeah. and I've been holding on to them for this episode just because I want you to try it. And I love their beers. Like, you know, uh, I like Wicked Weed around here in North mm-hmm. Carolina. There's a couple other places in, in um, that I've been to that were like kind of breweries, and I'm like, yeah, I really like this. I like the way they do things. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. These people were top notch, and they had a food truck there that served um, it served like tacos and stuff. Okay. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, the other Dave, oh, I'm sorry for everybody that I just blew your ears out. I realized that that snap was horrible. <laughs> um, I apologize for that. But the other Dave. That uh, sometimes like it invites me on these adventures. He um, he he he, taught, he brought me there. We had like a whole night, so I'm, I'm gonna kind of talk through that in a few minutes while mm-hmm. you're sipping that. Um, so let's talk about dark mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you familiar with what's happening with dark mode stuff? I'm not. I've spent like the last month and a half just with a sick kid constantly, so I I know nothing that's happened in the world outside my house. Ah, uh, Ricky. Man, so dark mode is basically the idea that they're making a dark theme that's like gray, dark mm-hmm. blue, dark gray, or black for OLED and LED screens. Okay, um, all right, for yeah. everything. I didn't know what that was called. I had heard about that. Yeah. So since you've heard about it, mm-hmm. tell me what you think about this new trend in design. So I'm going to flex on some knowledge that I'm not 100% sure on. I don't remember which one it is. One of our screen types, I think it's, it's either LED or LCD, but the max, like the all power, is black because the cell itself is naturally white. Is is that is that LED or is that something else? I believe that's LCD. LCD, okay. Yeah, because I, I don't like that because then that heats your house up and you're going to burn your monitor out because you're always having it at full blast. But, I mean, apart from that, if it's if it's not going to be that sort of issue, I'm kind of in favor of it. I mean, like, it is nice. I think it's a little bit silly because, I mean, like, you can just do that yourself a lot of times. Uh, I can understand for applications that don't. It'd be, yeah, it'd be cool to have that, like, built into the technology. But, I don't know. I guess it's, like, almost a non-thing for me. It's like, okay, it'll look different. But you'd also know how I am. I, d- I don't care. I, I run <laughs> things that just look whatever. I've built GUIs for myself that just look horrendous. It was like, look, it, it works. That's what, that's just what that looks like. Form over function. Mm-hmm. Or, or a function, function over, over form. form. I'm sorry. Uh, 
We we are all about the the function over form. As two guys that that think in that way, mm-hmm. um, I thought this was kind of an interesting thing to talk about because I'm actually really in favor for dark mode, but for mm-hmm. a completely practical reason. Okay. It, if you turn on dark mode, two things happen. One, I'm not blinded. Yeah. Which is like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, love love that. And then number two. It's supposed to help the battery life on whatever you turn yeah, it on. Yeah, if it's if it's the default for LED is black, then yeah. Well, it's so OLED bright. and and LED, when you turn off those devices, uh, turn off the pixels mm-hmm. in them, it it goes to a black state. Yeah. However, the problem with LED is that it gets light bleed from the other light around it. OLED is like yeah. it doesn't do that. It's it's only the light. It only emits in that space. Mm-hmm. And so it's much more efficient for OLED, so phones get better at battery life yeah. and things like that. But, you know, supposedly, like, your Mac or your PC or whatever will get mm-hmm. better battery life. I like it because, like, when... And, and completely practical, again, I just... I like darker things. They don't hurt my eyes. Yeah. You know, like, stuff like that. I mean, we're in a room right now where I've pretty much blocked out all the light. Mm. just to make it a little bit easier on yeah. me. So. And I'll admit, on like a, a hot summer day, even in my office, I'll turn the light off. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, the fan can run, but I don't need that extra heat. Exactly. So, I'm in favor of it. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the Surface headphones before we hit. Let's, let's mm. ponder the Cleophis Queely um, Punchin Paradise and talk about some, uh, some Surface headphones. You, you just tried these right before we got on here. Why don't you tell me what you thought about them? They were pretty nice. I gotta admit, I really liked the sound canceling on them. It was almost a comedic moment where I was listening to a little bit of music. I was listening to pure vocals, which the sound was was okay. But I guess we'll get to that next. But I saw you. What I thought was just muttering, like you're doing something, and you're moving your mouth, you're talking to yourself. Like thirty seconds later, I heard it because it was louder come out of the computer. You were sound checking, and I couldn't even tell. <laughs> and they were they were that canceled. And I know you said it has some settings to, to yeah. change how much it cancels. I didn't play with those; I didn't have time. But listen to that. Listen to some rock. It's got a, a decent sound. Yeah. Um, it's it's better than I think I expect from the average set of Bluetooth headphones. Uh, but I was immediately thinking, yeah, almost any Sennheiser I've listened to is better than this. Even some of the cheaper ones that were wired um, had a much better sound. But at the same time, I really like a wireless headset. And I know that goes, that very much goes against what I normally buy. You know, I generally buy like studio professional grade, got the weird multi end cable thing that's supposed to hit the amps and stuff like that. But I'm always moving when I listen to music. Like, I can't sit down. The only time I ever sit down and listen to music is I listen to classical music when I'm at work. And I just get that through my work headset, you know, because that just keeps me focused. Um, But if I'm, like, listening to music for enjoyment, I'm not sitting down. So it is kind of nice to have, like, a wireless solution there. So, for me, I really love these headphones from the comfort aspect. Mm -hmm. They are one of the more comfortable pair of headphones that I have that aren't wired headphones. Um, I do have I, I do like the Sennheisers that we reviewed the um, I think they were the HD um, HDs yeah five thousands or whatever um, I, no I'm totally wrong that model number is incorrect it's but they're the the wireless noise canceling Sennheisers mm-hmm. I like those better I haven't played with the um, noise canceling devices that are the um, 
the uh, uh, bows yet, and I, okay. I've never played with the Sony, so I can't speak to those. The the but the thing that I think about when I when I have these is they're they're pretty comfortable. They're kind of nice um, in in terms of build quality. They've got that touch on the side, which I don't really love, mm-hmm. uh, but that seems to be where like Sony's got that. I think Bose does it now. Every single one of them does. Um, so you know, like you can tap it or long press it, and it'll mm-hmm. do things. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a little choked up there. Um, one of the other things I love about them, and I don't know if you notice this, but they're USB C. Yeah, that's and I that. love that USB C stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more USB C I have in my life, the better. The ear the ear pads are really nice for extended. Um, listening sessions and my yeah. ears didn't get too hot and the way that they're shaped they fit really well in my ears so mm-hmm. uh, that's always been a challenge for me having a kind of odd shaped ear setting yeah the uh, mic works pretty good mm-hmm. to be able to both pick up the noise and cancel it uh, and it, I don't know if you saw this but on the there's a ring on the outside one of them adjusts the noise canceling and the mm-hmm. other one adjusts the volume Ooh, and it that's feels dangerous. it's really really nice that's dangerous. very nice it is not the it's not the only pair of headphones that I've had that has some yeah. sort of thing like that but this is what makes these a pair of headphones mm-hmm. that I would say uh, for for Bluetooth noise canceling headphones I'm probably gonna like carry these on my next flight yeah and see and see what I think about that and, and I'll clarify I was saying oh that's dangerous that's dangerous I mean that in a good way yeah I I might have to acquire a set of those because let me tell you, not only do I always walk around when I listen to music, I don't know if it's just because I perform music for a long time or maybe I'm just like slightly OCD about it. I constantly adjust the volume, yeah, and I generally adjust it into in in with the music to make it louder at some parts and softer at other parts. And I break every single phone I own. My like my uh, current phone has just finally the volume down button you really gotta press it it's like even in the case and all that it's just, I've worn it out over the, like the year and a half I've had it to be able to adjust it on the headset that's it's pretty nice it's pretty nice um, I'm, just, headsets, I'm gonna look weird while I listen to it now my hands is always gonna be in my head doing this but. most headsets that I have have a have a touch button on them mm. that you can turn it up and down I just I like the actuation of this yeah. it feels really good yeah um, the other thing about it is it has a wired connection to it. So like the Sennheiser, mm. you can ha- you can use them wired oh. uh, with an exterior amp. So that okay. so sometimes you can get like slightly better noise, uh, slightly better yeah, voice better quality, quality with it. Yeah, I have found that it's about equal. About the same. These are not the best sounding headphones that mm-hmm. I have. I, I I've heard people say that the Bose are better. Um, I am right now. I prefer the comfort and the the sound yeah. of the Sennheisers. But these are pretty good. These don't fold, so I don't I, I don't mm-hmm. like that about them. But I also like it. They come in a really nice canvas case. They do. Um, it comes with the USB-C cord and the cable that you need to be able to plug them into things. And like some instructions. And I don't know if you can see this, where it tells mm-hmm. you what the what the oh, touches Okay, yeah, do. yeah. So let me so, ask you this. Am I correct that I thought I saw on it a microphone jack? The, a microphone jack. The, yeah. This is the head, the wired headphone connection. Okay. But are you talking about like, the, does it have a microphone in it? Well, I thought I saw a microphone jack. That might have just been for the cable. That's for the cable okay. to to be able to go out. So I mean, it uh, it it they have a built-in microphone. Mm. Oh, they do. Yeah. So that so that you can talk through them and stuff. Have you like tried that out? I have. It's decent. It's decent. not the best. Um, I feel like I have a couple of other. So the Logitech 
uh, Bluetooth headphones that I have mm -hmm. are a little bit better as far as like microphone. But they yeah. have a they have a boom microphone. However, they're not noise canceling. So yeah, I mean, I was just thinking you're traveling. Microphone. Oh, now you've got a microphone too. Easy to take meetings in your hotel room. Yeah. I don't. I do not prefer these to my wired mic for my um, that that I normally use for D and D the mm -hmm. uh, the mod mic. Yeah. Um, but they're still they're still pretty darn. Good. Yeah, they're they're nice. I might I might have to do that. Might have to get those. I might have to get those next time we got like an order open that might go on my list. We can we can talk about options. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're they're really good, and if you travel a bit, they're they're excellent. And if you work in a noisy environment, they're pretty yeah. Excellent. Well, part of my yeah, because I'm I'm worried about the next time I travel, because the headset I have now, while I love it, is a pain to travel with because it's got like a docking station and all these extra cables. Uh, you know, moving it around is not fun. Yeah. So something that even if it's not as good a quality in terms of like audio for like the, the microphone, it, it would be nice to have something more portable. Cool. So I, I recommend them. I think if they're on sale right now, like a hundred dollars off at mm -hmm. the time of this recording. Yeah, at I don't know how long that'll that'll last. So we were yeah. teasing you if it's it's done June, by six three June twenty nineteen. They they were they they were done June first twenty nineteen. Yep. They might not be later. Um, but that said, even I, I feel like three hundred dollars is is an okay price for these. Yeah, so that's what they normally are. Yeah, they're three fifty. The three fifty. Three fifty, and they're on sale for two fifty. Huh. Okay. Well, maybe I saw them on sale previously. I thought they maybe. were three hundred. Maybe they were fifty um, off, and now they're hundred off. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, either way, uh, I, I think Microsoft got kind of a bad rap with this, just because mm -hmm. there, there's some other good competitors out there. Yeah. At the same price point. Um, but for some of the features on here, I kind of mm -hmm. like it. The only thing, the only criticism I have is the noise canceling. If it's turned all the way up, gives you that pressure thing that, you know. A little bit, yeah, yeah. But yeah. when you turn it down, I feel like it's good and it's noise canceling enough that I'm happy with it. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I'm not sure, because I know I'm a stickler for headphone price. If I only had a personal use for them, I might not spend the 350 but if you've got any sort of, if you like work from home, you got any sort of business justification for it, I think it's easily worth it. These would not be the headphones that I would buy uh, if I was gonna, if it was gonna be like a purely work from home. Yeah. Sort of I, I, but any travel yeah. or like going into a noisy environment where you might have to go for like a business meeting or something, and then you might have to like hop out to take a call. Yeah. These are perfect for that. So let's talk about this Cleophis Queely beer that I see that you've like you've demolished. Yeah, I went through. We, we talked for a little while. Um, it's it's a nice sour. Mm -hmm. I'll say that it's it's really not bad. I gotta say, it doesn't have much flavor to me outside of a little bit of fruit and just the sour. Okay, you know, the sour is kind of the main quality of it. You know, sometimes you get things that are like grapefruit sours and it's sour. Also, a lot of grapefruit. This is mostly just a sour. It is pleasant. It's very drinkable. Gotta admit, like Dave's heritage better. I'm gonna need another pour of that. That was really good. Yeah, well, well, I'll let you have some more of that as we're finishing the podcast. I personally thought that the, I mean, that's a that's a different kind mm -hmm. of beer. This is a different kind of beer. I personally thought that this was the most interesting of the beers that they had at Cleophas Queely. It was not my favorite. Gotcha. Um, but I thought it was the one that we would have the most to talk about. And mm -hmm. th this is the reason. So let me let me read it to you, tell you a little bit about it, and see if like maybe you have a little bit more to say at that point. Okay. Um, so it's spontaneously fermented in punchins with passion fruit, pineapple, papaya, and grains of paradise. Sour and funky with prominent tropical notes from both yeast and fruit. 
6.6% ABV. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to cleophus.us to be able to look at it. That's uh, cleoph, I'm sorry, it's C-L-E-O-P-H dot U-S. Uh, bottled condition, bottle conditioned ale, pour gently. And you can see right here, they've got mm. the very uh, hipster, yet, yeah, yeah, very, very neat. So um, bottled condition makes me think that, like, do they mean they actually like carved it inside the bottle? Yes. Oh, that is a little unique from like a, an actual manufacturer. Yeah. So that this is a this is an independent brewer, mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's a craft beer. Yeah. So one of the things that that I thought about it when I drank it um, was when I first when I first first took a sip of because they had like a ginger beer, mm -hmm. they had a couple of other things like that. So I'll tell you what I had the last time I was there. I had this. Um, I had the elderflower saison, saison, mm -hmm. whatever, uh, the citron golden, and the ginger spice. So you can tell they like to do like okay, some funky yeah, things yeah. with tropical. This was the one that I felt like embodied the most of what they were doing, like in their kind of. This is an, exp mm -hmm. an experimental sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of flavor to it. I uh, I will say I was I was starting to critique it when you were listing all of the tropical fruits it had in it. It's like, well, you get some tropical fruit flavor but you don't really get individual flavors for it well that makes sense if you're bottle conditioning it because you're going completely dry you're yeah. eating up all of those sugars as part of the carbonation so that's completely understandable um i almost i, I don't know i, I kind of like the idea that they bottle condition it that's like that's very unique you know that's not something you see very often and it's got a pretty decent amount of carbonation you know so they're they're putting it in still pretty active. I don't know what the, if it looks like there's a lot of yeast at the bottom or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's got good clarity. I got to give it that. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it. I don't. I don't think it actually has any like yeast, like thick yeast. It's not hazy or anything. Yeah. Like that. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no there's no haze to it. There's probably a little bit at the bottom because otherwise there had to be some active yeast for it to be able to condition. But um, um, probably not a significant amount. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see like you know. I've had some hazies and I've had. Well, I mm -hmm. see a, maybe a little bit, but I don't think. I don't think that it's um, that it's got a lot of. Yeast yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a lot. It's not like it's still doing. I mean, technically, bottling condition is still active fermentation, but it's not like you know this didn't start wet and then went all the way to dry. You know, right. it was mostly dry when it started. Um, but that's pretty cool. And then six six point six percent. Yeah, I mean, it'll go completely dry. You know, I, I guess you could technically still do a sweet drink with it if you hit the alcohol tolerance level. Like, you're brewing with something that, that cuts off at, like, 13%. You put it in at 12 with enough sugar, it'll go to 14. Then you got more yeast and all that. But I, I guess, like I said, I appreciate it more having known that, uh, of what they were going for. So do you feel like this is a, um, a really like strong beer that you would try again if you had the option to it do you are you interested in cleophus Queely now as, yeah i'd be interested know. to try their other stuff i wouldn't necessarily call it a, a strong beer but i would definitely say i'm interested in trying their other stuff well what, what i meant is like there's a strong call to like go. To oh yeah beer. yeah i mean i definitely try other things there was nothing offensive in this it had a pleasant flavor um I, i'm not as harsh on it now that i kind of know what they were going for because yeah. i think they hit their goal yeah, you know, uh, could it be more flavorful? Yes. Would it then be what they were going for? No. So. From an artistic standpoint, you know, knowing that I brew and that I brew bad beer right now, I don't brew good beer. <laughs> well, we've only ever tried to brew one beer. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, we yeah. make pretty good mead. We don't make make good beer. Um, but 
from from an artistic standpoint, I feel like uh, of all the things that I've tried uh, different places, these guys are trying to do something very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's it's unique, and they've got a theme to it, which I kind of yeah. like. There's a lot of places that try and do this one-off. Hey, here's this thing we just did, and most of the time they're not good yeah. because it's a uh, it's a group of brewers that have a very particular thing they make, and now they've tried something completely different. Where they're trying, while they're doing a lot of different things, they're all in that same kind of aisle of this citrus and spice flavor or straight herb. You know, I feel like those that sort of brewing takes an amount of experience to really pull it off well because, you know, certain things, especially like ginger and things, you really got to know how much to put in. Realistically, you're probably putting it in in multiple stages. And you gotta you gotta really kind of feel that out yeah. more than just an ad hoc. Hey, here's our seasonal. We did this. Yeah. So uh, while while their ginger beer was no, it wasn't a ginger beer. It was a ginger spiced beer. Mm. Uh, while that was not my favorite, I really liked it. I felt like they did a really good job. So I didn't have anything that I got from there that I was like, mm, I don't like that. Yeah. But I chose to bring these back just because of you know the 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 complexity of it versus like the interestingness of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, th- I think if you're ever in um, in the area and you can go by uh, while you're out in California and or you run across these in your local store, mm-hmm. you should probably pick them up and try them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not to- bad. totally good. And if you ever see an Alski Brew, you should probably yeah, pick I would that say, up. Yeah, I was going to say, Alski Brewing 2020, let's, let's do something there. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, that first beer, I, I'm serious, I need you to pour me in some more of that. Oh, I'm, I'm totally That was really good. Um, so, if... If we're talking about the last kind of like wrapping up mm-hmm. the the last bit of the um, the day, you know where where we're we're looking at uh, ending the podcast. I'm sorry I got distracted by pouring beer, which has happens with me all the daggone time. Um, but if we're talking about ending the podcast, there's no better way to end than talking about breaking up, and we're talking <laughs> about breaking mm-hmm. up Facebook. Um, so, while we're drinking the last of the Alski, well, it's not the last of it. We'll, we're going to play D and D after this, and so after we'll drink some more during D and D. We'll have we'll have some nice D and D session. But um, let's talk about the breakup of Facebook. So, are you in favor of it? And well, let let me let me explain yeah. what the breakup of Facebook means. So the one of the guys who helped found facebook mm-hmm. um i don't remember his name he went and like has kind of started this movement i think he went before um congress and and said that facebook is too powerful and in light that it was used to manipulate things by other groups of people that are outside mm-hmm. of our country uh, specifically uh the last election yeah that uh and, and the cambridge analytica scandal and things like that mm-hmm. facebook should be broken up and he's specifically talking about like getting all of its um Acquisitions and mm. divesting them from okay. Facebook, kind of like they did with Mobile, where they mm. split uh, Mobile up into all the different uh, places. Of course, the Zuck is not for that. Yeah, he is against it. He says you want a company like Facebook to be big and powerful mm. uh, because then, when they find these problems, they can actually do something against it. What do you think? Mm, I'd say that's a weak argument. That. You want a company that's big and powerful because when they find a problem, they can fix it. I mean, 
How? Like, it, data leaks and misuse of a product are going to happen everywhere. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was like, oh, we found a massive security vulnerability and we fix it within eight hours because we have a giant team of software engineers. You know, that's one argument. The idea that, oh, well, people won't be jerks on my product if I'm powerful enough. That's yeah. not that's not human nature. <laughs> and data leaks are going to happen. I mean... I, I think more of what he was saying is that... Um, so, not, not that I'm defending mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. You know, actually, my opinion is that Facebook is evil. Facebook is the most evil. Google is only slightly less evil, evil than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that those companies need to be highly regulated. Um, I don't know if breaking them up will necessarily fix yeah. that because that's not really regulating what, what they can do and what, what can be done on them. I am, I am also all for free speech, so I'm not talking about limiting what an individual can say. Mm. Um, but I think that those platforms have to be regulated in the sense of what they can do and what they can take from you and what they can force you to watch. Because one of the problems that I see with with this whole thing is that nobody's talking about, well, if someone puts information out there, you can't alter it. Mm -hmm. If someone goes out there and they're going to give false information or something like that, you can't... You can't like move it around in the mm-hmm. in the stream so that you know some things are are maximized viewing yeah. and stuff like that. You can't you can't do that, but we're we're okay with that. We consider that to be okay. But that is a manipulation mm-hmm. of the information that you get, and therefore it is a manipulation of how you view that information. Yeah. Um, so they're doing that, and nobody nobody's talking about it. So from that perspective, I'm kind of okay with Facebook being like regulated, or mm-hmm. I mean, even like getting rid of Instagram and WhatsApp and Oculus. I would love if they got rid of Oculus because I can't, I cannot stomach mm-hmm. the thought that Facebook is eventually and is probably already putting information into the VR experience that is pulling out all these metrics on what you're doing mm-hmm. and eye tracking and, and retina scans and all these other things that we probably haven't even started to think about, but our AR and VR is already going to be plagued with yeah. this sort of bullcrap. Well, I, I, I want to hit on your second point, because my second point as well, that I, breaking it up I don't think is actually going to fix the problem. <clears throat> you know, I don't mind them breaking them up. Uh, you know, if you think they're so big that they're a monopoly, do it. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. But... You're right. The real problem is, what are our data regulations? Why are they allowed to have all this information? How, you know, are we going to start saying, hey, maybe we should think about how do we store data differently? In the last five years, we've had massive data leaks that have hurt a ton of people. Maybe there needs to be stronger regulations on that. Maybe there needs to be, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I, you know, I'm not the person to necessarily come up with all those answers. You know, there's a reason we do tech committees for these things. But... Maybe it's time to really start talking about. Well, that and stuff. those tech committees have to be people that are impartial mm-hmm. and knowledgeable of the subject. They can't just yeah. be people that. They, yeah, their ultimately special interests. Yeah, I know we do a lot of talks of Congress and in front of things like that, but ultimately Congress is really bad at doing that. Yeah. And it's not. It's not like I, I have anything against Congress. It's that it'd be the same thing as if like you made a whole bunch of doctors show up in front of Congress and start talking about, well, should we do this type of surgery or that type of surgery? Realistically, they're not experts. You have medical boards for right. that. There should be tech boards in charge of this that are impartial, that are 
making sure things are hand, handled in a secure way. And I, I think that we're going to have to start moving in that direction if we want to, if we want to secure things properly, mm-hmm. start having, start forcing companies to be privacy focused. I mean, for all the, for all the bad or good that Google can do, they've been really responsible with the information that we've given them. That's the best thing I can say about them. Yeah. Facebook has not <laughs> at all, uh, and that is that is a that is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Google will never. I mean, there, there was just a story recently about how Google had kept some information in uh, plain text, some of the passwords from like mm. business um, clients, and like from from like 2005, I think. Oh, okay. so it was like 12 years ago. So they kept them in plain text for a while. They they fixed the problem. They did their release and 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 everything like that to to be open about that mm-hmm. but it still so happens. happens yeah yeah and so regardless of what you can say good or bad about it it still happens yeah so um that said uh i think i think we both kind of agree about that i just wanted to talk about it a little bit yeah no i mean i, I wasn't aware it was happening so i'm glad to be in the know but I think we agree on that, that the issue isn't necessarily how big Facebook is or how many companies it owns. It's what we're legally allowing them to do. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and we should we should definitely have a change on, in that yeah. area. So last thing, I didn't put this in the show notes, so it's not going to be on there, but uh, got you a new chair, man. Like you're not sitting in the, in yeah, the old chair. And this is the comfy. first podcast we've done with that. Did, did it work out pretty good this time? Yeah, it's pretty comfy. I got to admit, I, I find myself leaning back a lot. I'm trying to make sure I stay close enough to the camera, but uh, it's a comfy chair. I appreciate it. That's a microphone, not a camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? It, it, oh, does, gosh. It, does ha- it does have a little thing. Okay, that you can David, I'm sorry. Off. I got to stop drinking your beer for a little bit. <laughs> I didn't, even when you pointed it out, I didn't catch it. Like, <laughs> what? What? This is this is not this is not a camera. Well, it was just I hadn't realized I had said camera. Yeah. This photo, oh, it's a camera. It's like, oh yeah. There, there's a lock yeah. on the side of your of your chair. Though. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. I'm not. Gonna use it. I still like yeah. to. Lean back when I'm not talking. But. That nice lazy boy got it. At, got it at uh, one of the local thrift stores for like twenty five bucks. I know. Yeah, I heard that story. Best That's buy awesome. I've had in a while. So don't don't forget to thrift. Thrifting. Macklemore was right about the thrifting. Yeah. Thrifting's awesome. Pretty good stuff. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to end this podcast. We went well over our normal thirty <laughs> minute mark. Uh, this it's is a special not, episode. Well, it's a weird. I, I didn't get to go to. Um, I'm, I've got to go do a thing at another industry show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to do some presentations and stuff like that for work, so I'm not getting to go to Linux Fest. So we're not actually going to do a Linux Fest episode. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this one, and then we're gonna have mm-hmm. like a, a few weeks, and then uh, we might start back up around August um, and actually do like another ten mm-hmm. or fifteen episodes uh, before the holiday season starts, so that we can enjoy that. And so, uh, and then that'll be the end of season two. So stay tuned. Uh, look for us to come back. We might do another special episode because. While I'm off at that conference, I've got a couple things. Mm-hmm. There might be some whiskey in store. There may be a really nice uh, concert that I'm going to go to, so I might have some experiences there. So I might come back and be like, "All right, we're not going to talk about technology this thing. Yeah. I'm just going to geek out on this experience that I had while I was gone." Um, other than that, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been our. Um, 11th episode of the Beer and Broadband podcast for season two. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.